pissing people off. You know, when I was a kid, when uh, when I was little, when Texas OU would roll around, I figured out that everybody was supporting Texas. Yeah. So I started supporting OU. <laughs> Just to, like... <laughs> So I've always had that kind of part Agitator. of my personality to just kind of tweak. That's great. So no, I'm okay with that. Hey, 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 welcome everybody to How to Be a Texan. Boy, have we got a great episode today, Kevin. Are you excited? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm excited because you know what we're doing? We're talking about the presidential election. We got hairy legs. <laughs> is this is this violating one of our, our rules? I don't know, man. You're shocking me. No. We always said we were not going to be political in this show. Well, I thought I'd start um, out talking about a little bit of the theological differences that I have. And the then we'll Chinese go right in. Virus. And then the Chinese virus. I'm kidding. Yeah. We generally stay away from, you know, deep theology and deep politics. Because we don't know anything about either. Uh, right, <laughs> right. But I think we're safe here in that this is a landmark thing coming up in just a few weeks. And it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. we yeah. got a presidential election coming up, what, November, whatever, 3rd, 4th, 5th, something like that? Yeah. Well, I don't know what it's, day it is. It's, it's on a Tuesday. Isn't it like on a Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. It's always on, I think, the first Tuesday in November. Why do they do that? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. yeah. So we got two candidates coming up, and it's going to have a huge impact on Texas. Yeah. And well, I love Texas, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal because Texas is always a pivotal part of the election results. It it has an impact because right. Texas has such a big population. It does. Therefore, we have a lot of electoral votes. Yeah. And, you know, Texas generally has gone Republican for the past, I mean, since Reagan, right. really, right. along with the rest of the South. But it's always, you know, it has an impact, right? And so the game plan on the Democrat side is always trying to every year Every election cycle kind of chip away a little bit, right? You know, hopefully, so that someday they could potentially flip it, right, to their side because that would be a huge, huge cute. Well, coup. I I told you this cute. the other day that uh, a friend of mine um, in Illinois, he and I were talking last week, and uh, he said, "Kyle, you know, Texas is purple. That's really interesting." I'm like, Wait, "What?" You know, and and so after he said that. It, it makes sense, you know. It's like come we, on, man. Because we is that what you said? Like, come I didn't, on, man. I didn't. <laughs> I don't speak like Biden. I don't think. But um, it, it's an evolving thing. When so when you look at the state, you've got kind of these, you know, this just staunch conservative Republican people that are out living kind of in rural parts or whatever, and then you've got much more progressive ideas in the urban centers of Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin in particular. Austin's always been. Pretty progressive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as those population centers kind of build up, you've got this interesting kind of mesh of all kinds of people, all kinds of ideas, and it's fine. It's fine. Yep. We somehow continue to live together, and Texas is a fantastic, unique, great state to come work, play, live, whatever. And um, you can have whatever ideas you want, but they're still going to be Texan ideas, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. in my mind. So... Anyway, I think it's going to be interesting. So just to kind of lay out the groundwork for, um, uh, or at least an outline for what I wanted to do in our conversation today is just one, hit on the election and the importance of that. Number two, 
talk about, you know, really some Texas legends that we're going to get to because what what I think is that if you want to predict the future, you need to learn from the past. And learning from the past says that we've got some really interesting presidents that we've had over the course of the last 200 plus years in, in America. And I thought it'd be fun to talk through some of the worst presidents that we've had, just to kind of laugh at that. And, and good, bad, or ugly about these two presidential candidates, you, you can like them or hate them, it matters not to me. But it's fun to look at the past to see where we really had some not nice, bad people in that office before. And it's more funny, kind of comical to me. Sounds interesting to me. <laughs> and then we can tee up our Texas Legends episode that we'll get to not today, but down the road on the three, uh, LBJ and the two Bushes. Sounds good, man. Is that okay? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to the importance of the election. So that's coming up. Uh, we just said that we've got kind of this interesting mixed state, but we've got two candidates. Uh, people are passionate uh, of a friend of mine, the same friend in Illinois, he asked me a very tough question. And again, I'm not, you, you know me, I'm not a very politically minded guy at all. But he said, Kyle, who's going to win? Who's going to win the election? And uh, I, I backed up immediately. And I'm just like, look, man, that's, that's kind of not my thing. I don't really, I'm not really a political guy. But I'll give you my observation. I said, there are two camps and there's not a third camp. And the two camps are you either or you are either one hundred percent for President Trump, or you are one hundred percent against President Trump. In my mind, there are no Texans in a third camp that doesn't exist, and that is the I really like Joe Biden camp. You know, I think it's one or the other. You either love Trump or you hate Trump, and there's not anybody for Biden in my mind. Yeah, there's nobody in that third category. Yeah, I think there is a fourth category, okay, and that is the super super far lefties who pretty much hate both Biden and Trump. Equally. Oh, okay, yeah. Then there's that's a big group actually. Now, now it's bigger who is than that? You might is, think. is that the Beto? That's the Bernie. Group, it's the Bernie people. The Bernie people. Okay. The Bernie people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you talk to the Bernie people, they view Biden as pretty much as far right as Trump. Interesting. Yeah, okay. it's interesting, and so, but that can have a big impact, right? Because if if you know, that group doesn't show up, that actually helps Trump quite a bit. Wait, isn't that fourth group the same as the second group? No, I said, because I think Kyle's point was you either, you know, love Trump or hate Trump, right? But nobody loves Biden. Then I said there is a group that hates both equally. Yeah. Right. Oh, I so see. I think that's instead of just different. like being indifferent towards Biden. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a group that I think Kyle's point was there's a group that really, really hates Trump, so they're gonna go vote for Biden, right? What I'm saying is there's another, you know, constituency out there that hates both and yeah. they're not going to show up. Right. Because to them, it's just like, whatever, they're one and the same. So you think they're going to be like the Perot delegation back in the day? You remember when Perot took 19% of the vote, the vote away and gave the election to Clinton over Bush or, or Perot? You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you one of the reasons You think it's kind of like that? Well, I guess it's similar, but I mean, those people showed up to vote for Perot. They did vote, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know this group will not. Uh, a good chunk of them will not show up. They'll just abstain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're like whatever. And then we're right in the middle of a, a pandemic, Kevin. Hey, did you re- remember that that we're in this COVID thing? I keep forgetting. Golly, it's shocking. <laughs> so, what do you think that's going to do to the vote itself? 
I have no way to predict that, man. You think we're we're going to have tons of people that just say, I, I ain't doing it, I'm not voting? I don't think you will. Really? I, I mean, the Trump group will get out and vote. Okay. Uh, they will definitely get out there and vote. And then the only question is, of the you know, anti-Trump Biden people, Yeah, how many of those will actually make the effort to get out and vote? Okay. Right? And then there's the mail-in, you know, piece of it. Some states are allowing mail-in voting and that's controversial. So boy, that is controversial. Knows? Yeah. And then you, you get all these backtrack issues of I'm going to fund growth at the U S postal service, or I'm going to take these machines out of things so that there's not going to be the ability to count them. I mean, that's a, Big. It's, all, it's all politics, man. It sure it's feels like it. Politics, yeah. yeah. It sure feels like it. Yeah, and then you have the you know social media dynamic. Oh, yeah. You I, have. The, I just saw that where the big social media players are saying we're going to really tamp down during the week of uh, the election. We're going to tamp down most of that. I saw the funniest thing, and it was real. It was from Facebook saying, "Hey." We're looking for you know volunteers that will turn their accounts off, <laughs> you know, to help with this problem. And I'm thinking, wow, huh? I could email a few names to you, <laughs> wow. a few candidates. Wow. Well, it's it seems like to me, I you know, I I just kind of watch people's behaviors, and this is one of those things where, again, COVID in my mind is a 9/11 marker in my life, where where when 9-11 occurred, it, it, it was a mark in my life. Something happened significant that changed me fundamentally. I think COVID is that mark on my life as well, our lives as well, where we're going to always look back when we're 70, whatever, and say, well, during the pandemic, that changed as mm-hmm. a result. Or I remember this happened during the pandemic. Um, it seems like there are equally passionate issues that are coming up around, you know, whether it's to wear a mask or not, or whether you're going to support Trump or you're going to support Biden. You know, there is so much passion. And I just wonder if it's because of the election. Is it an outcropping of, you know, because of the pandemic, people have been locked down, our economy's been stifled, you know, people have lost jobs, you can't get out. So you're just emotionally drained or you're so wired. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like people are so wired. It's all of that. It's all of that. And then you've got all of the uh, protesting that's going on. All the social justice, injustice. So then you have people that are sitting at home. They're not working, you know, and they just, their only outlet is to, you know, go into social media and just, you know, it consumes some people. Yes. And that drained Um, me. That's why I'm not on social media right now. So it's, it's exactly that to me, Andrew. I told, I called Kevin last night and, uh, and I, I just said, look, I, I don't get on social media. But anyway, I was waiting and I got on and whatever I was looking. And, and But it it's so inflammatory, you know, whether you get on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And it's just so inflammatory. I think the biggest – I've heard other podcasts talk about this. Like people just don't – like the internet has been around for a relatively short amount of time. Like considering, yeah. like humanity or whatever, and technology, yeah. even my life, yeah. And like we, we've developed like all of these different social skills, like person to person, and we just don't have the same 
like etiquette training that we do with online communication, no. you know? No. Yeah. And, and, you know, we first saw that, at least our generation, Kyle, we first noticed that uh, with email, actually, right? Yeah. Yes. Before social media, like when, when Kyle and I first went into the workforce, email wasn't really around, right? It was more paper memo, stuff like that. And then suddenly, you know, kind of mid 90s, you know, things started to take off where there was actually communication infrastructure. A lot more communication started moving to email. And in the earliest days of emails, it was very similar. I mean, right. you know, you could talk to somebody at lunch and they might be the, you know, most meek individual. And then, but on email, they would just flame everybody they're, constantly. They're lions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just. Wow. And so there's been a lot of actual work put into, you know, training professionals. And these are professionals, right? These are not uneducated people, but, you know, training professionals on, hey, you know, you shouldn't use all caps. You shouldn't use exclamation <laughs> yeah. points. You yeah. know, you need to. You know, if you're frustrated, type an email, but don't press send, you know, come yeah. back a few hours later. Right. There's been a lot of that kind of stuff that's been put in. Right. And it's because, you know, with email, um, you don't have that. It is what you're saying, Andrew. You don't have that face-to-face. You're, you're, you're not going to say the word, are you? What's that? Asynchronous. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't have that personal connection, right? You know, you're not going to... You know, people have a tendency because they're hiding behind a screen, right? right? The person's not looking them in the eye, right? It's one thing to look somebody in the eye. And so you're saying that that's a freedom, a conscious freedom, because I'm typing it on my smartphone or my laptop, whatever fiery opinion that may come into my mind, and there's no filter there. There's no filter. There's a natural filter when you're looking at another human being. Yeah, it's a right? Mike, Mike Tyson. Have, your plan works yeah. great until somebody punches you in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, you know, you have a certain... Most people have empathy for other people. Right. Right. So if you're looking at someone, you tend to not want to... Hurt them. Be a jerk to them. That's right. right. But when that is not there, and it's just you and your own thoughts... Yeah. And fire in the hole. Yeah, you can fire it off. And and we're seeing that with the social media because now so many more people, you know, who may not even use email in their day to day jobs, you know, they are now online right. and it's just it's so easy to just hit share on like a on like an article. Even oh, if yeah. you don't even read the article, yeah. it's got mm-hmm. like a good headline that you feel like is a good gotcha. Like, oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you just hit share on yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And, and it just got, cranks everything up to you got the memes level. All yeah. the memes that float around and people share. Yeah. And, and so you it's crazy. S- you see the stuff that I share. The stuff that I share, like I shared something a few days ago and I thought, oh well that's that's really practical for my life. And it was the comparison between a great white shark and a chigger. Yeah. So why that. chiggers are worse than great white sharks. To me that's the one that's that relevant I, that I really enjoyed that you shared that I reshared was the Chick Fil A kid, you know, <laughs> sprinting. That is so funny, Andrew. Yeah. I don't know if you probably didn't see it. So the video's taken. I think it came from TikTok and they threw it onto Facebook. But like you see the lady driving, kind of, but then you can see out the passenger side window, and all you see is this guy in a red shirt, and he's sprinting dead sprint. As She finally gets to a stop. She's like, well, wait a second. What's going on? She rolls down the window and he runs up and he's all out of breath. He's like, you know, you said thank you to me back there. And I didn't. What is the phrase they say? Um, They have a phrase. My my pleasure. My My pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. So you said thank you to me five blocks ago. It's been on my conscience. Yeah. Five blocks ago. (laughs) I didn't say my pleasure. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want and, you to know. Yeah, it is. It was my pleasure and, to serve uh, you. And funny. the acting, he just acts it out so well. It's just so funny. So I sent that on to my two boys, Luke and Cole, who both work at Chick Fil A now. Yeah, and I said, "You can do this, guys. Yeah. You can do this." <laughs> so great. So, That's great. But, I've been spending most of my time uh, during this pandemic actually on YouTube. Okay. Instead of I have you know, to for that social media kind of outlet because I don't post anything at YouTube or even comment. Well, I do too because I have gotten away from that altogether. And I watch. You should see my history. It's all these how to play this on the guitar, and I've gone through fourteen hundred songs. And like now, I'm learning Canon and D how to play Canon and D on yeah. my guitar. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, it's hard. I'm learning yeah. chess openings on and YouTube. Andrew's been doing oh, chess. chess. See, now that'd be great. I'd love that. There is a lot of great chess content on YouTube. Oh, uh, you, really you should talk to Luke, because Luke was in the chess club, and oh, he's nice. quite good. Like, oh, quite nice. good. I'm so. trying to get my rating up on chess.com. Okay. And it's not working out in that I'm great. not familiar with a rating, but I'd like to do that, too, because chess is, man, you talk about a strategic, thoughtful game. Yeah. That... You can't get pissed off at chess. You, if you get, oh, I get pissed no, off no, at no. chess. No, I know you can, but if you get beat, it's because the other other guy or gal just outsmarted you. Yeah, it's like you just got beat. Yeah, it wasn't of... like you were manipulated. It's like you just got beat. Yeah, boom. Which I mean, you can get manipulated. Oh you yeah, get, like, but that goes into the you know you you being outsmarted. Oh, it's strategy. Oh, yeah. Like it's you're being outsmarted. Like, yeah. Like I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna lure your queen out with this mm-hmm. bishop. Yeah. How dare you? You know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the queen's gone and you're dead. Yeah. Anyway, my YouTube uh, playlist has been mostly barbecuing, and I've been doing more grilling and barbecuing during oh, the pandemic yeah. than I've probably ever done in my life. No, like, I think I, daily. over the last week I think I've watched five hours of YouTube video on people in like British Columbia building little kind of disposable houses out of pallets. Literally. Wow. It's <laughs> a very specific niche. I know. YouTube. And it's awesome. I'm like, that's the most interesting thing ever. Because so you spe- love building things out of pallets. I love it. So I've deconstructed probably <laughs> 25 pallets in the last two weeks. And so I have all this stuff that I could go build it in, I don't know, South Central Oklahoma. This is a disposable house. Yeah, I don't know. That's something. That's something. <laughs> that's something right there. So anyway, back to the presidential election. It feels like my point in in going on that tangent for a bit is that people are so wired, they're wired, high strung, and generally pissed off. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, occasionally I'll just share something on Facebook just to tweak everybody, and it just <laughs> can't imagine it's that. hilarious. <laughs> Can't imagine. I cannot imagine. People that, that know me well know. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and I do. So I don't respond. I just call you. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> so I just great. sit back and laugh. At yeah. Madness. It's so great. So. But yeah, it, people are wired. wired. They're wired. Big time. Big time. And then you know, and it's it's about COVID. It's about wearing. I don't have to wear a mask or whatever. I was listening to a podcast today, and I don't remember this. You may remember this, but this guy was saying that back in the eighties or seventies, whenever it was, when they first came out with seat belt seat belt laws, yeah, that it was a similar type of thing. Oh. People were like, I can't. I'm not wearing a seat belt. That's violating my you know personal I, rights. I bet it was. Do you remember that? I don't no, remember that. I I remember it, but think about the time. So that was late seventies, I bet. And we didn't have the social media and the everywhere media to 
be in your face about it and to proliferate it. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Our three stations that you and I watched, you know, 4, 5, and 11 – Oh, let's see, 4, 5, 8, and 11. I guess we actually four, five, had 4, 5, 8, and 11. And, then there and was channel 13. I mean, who watched 13, that? 13, but then You said was... you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You ever watched okay. Mr. Peppermint? Okay, well, I did Oh, this Peppermint. So, so, so we had five <laughs> channels that we watched, and we would hear on but the 6th. But, Kyle, six that was just VHF, man. You're forgetting the UHF. Remember that channel was, 39? That was crap. 39? I never went over yeah, there. Yeah, every time you went to 39, I'd have to, like, you know, yeah. dial in, yep. dial through the fuzz. Change the rabbit ears a little bit yeah. to get a better yeah. no i didn't do that yeah yeah i, I just go out and rub some dirt on whatever <laughs> dig another pit and find some frogs or something i mean that's all i did what does that mean what does that have to do with tv well because that's what i did when i when when it was so bad <laughs> that i couldn't watch something on regular tv and had to go over to that crap i'd just go out and play with frogs <laughs> i just wouldn't watch tv i'd go get on my bike or whatever oh man but anyway shout so, out to pita <laughs> <laughs> speaking of anyway um Oh, so we got a presidential election coming up, so that's exciting. And then uh, more of a a preview, Kevin and I are going to highlight in Texas Legend episodes the three presidents that have come from Texas. And so it's LBJ in the 60s after uh, Kennedy's assassination. He took over. Did you realize how short uh, LBJ lived after his presidency? No. Yeah, I didn't realize it either. But So he took over in November of 63, uh, he was sworn in, you know, when when JFK was assassinated here in Dallas. Then um, he was elected by a huge margin in his first term, first actual term. So he could have gone from sixty three to sixty four. He was voted in with uh, it was like fifteen million extra votes over whoever was running against. He was very popular during that time. And so 64 to 68, he had his term and he had a wife that was incredibly charismatic, Lady Bird Johnson. Uh, So I think you and I are going to have fun talking about LBJ because he, uh, you know, he was fiery. Um, He had strong opinions and that great Texas persona because he was born around Johnson City. And, um, And then just the Lady Bird Johnson and LBJ combo but then after he got out of office in 68, they came back to their Texas ranch, their LBJ ranch. And uh, he died of a massive heart attack in 72 or 73. Mm-hmm. Four or five years out of office, he died. And it reminded me of the Alexander Hamilton story where, you know, he died as a young man. Now, LBJ was older, but Hamilton died as a young man. And then his wife lived for 50 years longer and really told Hamilton's story. Lady Bird Johnson was that too, and her her platform was telling LBJ's story about how he was very uh, focused on, um, you know, really social justice issues, urban renewal, you know, things of that nature. You don't necessarily think coming out of Texans for the most part. You think, oh, oil or whatever. No, no, he he implemented uh, Medicaid, right? And Medicare. Or Medicare. He was yeah. he was, was the first he, kind he of health care. Yeah, he was huge with social justice and MLK was he and MLK were allies where the civil rights movement, the voting uh rights came up at that point. And uh so LBJ, you know, he had a really strong platform. Now he had two things that were kind of the nemesis of his his whole presidency, and he decided not to run for a second one because of these two things. One was around the civil unrest. So you think about the mid to late 60s and the civil unrest, and, and in particular, racial uh, mm-hmm. unrest. 
but that's where he did. He worked closely with MLK and uh, until MLK's death. And then you've got Vietnam. And mm-hmm. Vietnam was probably the thing that drove him away because he thought, I can stop communism and I'm going to push that agenda. And it did not work out well at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only war that as Americans we ever lost, mm-hmm. truly lost. All right. And so anyway, so that's LBJ. And then you get into the two so bushes. So are you saying that he didn't run because he felt like he would lose because of those issues? No. Or he was just kind of done? He was done. Okay. He, he was ready to tap out because okay. he had been a long-term uh, – House member, and then he moved into the Senate, and so he'd been a lifelong Republican. The more interesting thing no, he was is, a Democrat. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, he'd been a lifelong governmental worker, a, yeah. a, a uh, an elected official. Yeah, and so his career, a career politician. He was a career politician, and so at the end of his first term, he was done. So with the assassination, do you think Lee Harvey did it, or do you think? <laughs> No, no, you haven't heard the rest of my question. Do you think LBJ just shot him himself? <laughs> That's a good one. LBJ's like, all right, let's get yeah. this Yankee out of here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, no comment there. Oh, uh, That'll be edited out. Yeah, no, no comment there. But regardless, <laughs> so LBJ, he had a strong presidency, even though he had those two underlying issues, Vietnam being by far the biggest one, but then all the racial uh, disparities. Well, he completed the moon. He uh, did. Mission. He started Medicare. He finished what uh, JFK wanted to do with walking the moon. And uh, so he did some really good things. Lady Bird Johnson is probably the one of the most interesting first ladies that we'll ever hear about. You, they weren't necessarily well off at all. Somehow she got a $41,000 inheritance, and she parlayed that into $110 million wealth by buying a, a local Austin radio station, then a local uh, TV station that was really the monopoly TV station for Austin for a long time, and then she got two banks. And so between those four entities, she took a $41,000 inheritance and parlayed that into a $110 million really well-off kind of foundation for the LBJ uh, family. Wow. Isn't that neat? That's amazing. Yeah. No, so she's got a great story. And then you you float into the two, you know, 41 and 43 in George H.W. Bush and then George W. Bush. And, and you know... Well, the, before we move, I yeah. mean, I think we should... I think Lady Bird should be a Texas legend episode. She's, she's phenomenal. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Uh, and it's... And the interesting thing is that she was so charismatic that people would say, even if LBJ would do something just so mean or scream at people or whatever, Lady Bird would come right behind that and say, oh, now, Kevin, why don't you blah, blah, blah. And they would say, I would walk through coals for Lady Bird Johnson. If she asked me to do anything, literally that was a quote, is I'd walk through coals for Lady Bird. That's amazing. So it, and it was just a great combo. But then LBJ, he he basically got out of office, got back to his ranch, had a second massive heart attack because his first one was in 55. He had a big one when he was a, an elected official hmm. and um, Lady Bird actually carried on his operations during that. And then he had the second one and died. Wow. So then you get over to the two Bushes, you go George HW and then it's George W. And again, we'll spend more time on, on them. I think they're controversial figures too, with HW taking over after Reagan and then Bush. Well, HW is a really interesting story. You know, he, he was a war hero. War hero, right. Shot, shot down in World War II. Right. Right. Um, a POW. Yeah, POW. Right. 
Um, and then he was a bit of a co- uh, like a career kind of bureaucrat. Well, he right? ran he ran the CIA. Right, exactly. CIA. So, so then you get into all that, and so you just think. Of, and then he was a real ally to Reagan. I mean, he was just kind of a quiet mm-hmm. influence to Reagan, supporting Reagan. They were a great pair because you know Reagan didn't have. I mean, Reagan had been governor, right? right. But he wasn't like an international, right? You know, kind of politician, but. You know, H.W. had all that experience, right? Yeah, he so knew, he knew how to he manipulate. He knew how to deal with China. He was the, the chairman of the Senate. He knew how to <clears throat> kind of relate to all the governmental entities. And then you get over to kind of the contra of that where W., he gets in, he gets elected, and um, he, he chooses Dick Cheney, who was very different than his dad, how his dad supported in a quiet, soft, just... I know how to get things done, Reagan. I'm going to help you get things done. Whereas Cheney came in with a real iron fist and's like, W's too dumb to know what I'm going to do. So therefore, I'm going to do all this stuff. W wasn't that dumb. He was a very, very smart man. But Cheney no, but did I a think, lot of things. I think that's what W wanted, right? Because right. I don't think you know W was that style right. of uh, guy. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think in both cases, they were very complimentary. Yeah, you know, to the presidents that they worked for. Yeah, that uh, um, I tell you, that was a powerful. Uh, did you ever see that Vice movie mm-hmm. with Cheney? Yeah, yeah that, that was powerful too. Just yeah. a portrayal of how really powerful Cheney was and wanted to be during that time. That period. movie makes W look like such a buffoon. It does. It does, and it <laughs> it's, it made it's, it's really it funny. made me sad on his behalf because I you know I think now that we've got W as a, a Dallasite. I mean, he's got he's got his home in in Dallas, right next to SMU. But then he's also got his Crawford Ranch, and we're seeing the amazing things that W's doing now for the wounded veterans right mm-hmm. now. And then just he's doing a lot yeah. for you know uh, military and just the Dallas community. And so I mean, as a retired president, he's doing exactly like what we would hope that he does. And so he's a great citizen for. Dallas and and all of Texas. So you know what I think was also cool about HW. Well, well, you know he he uh, started in oil in West Texas, so he kind of did that. And yeah. He started as a congressman, but whenever he was president, um, he wrote a lot of uh, letters. He would he liked to handwrite letters a oh, lot. Okay, and you know Bill Clinton tells a story of you know whenever he came into the Oval Office. Yeah about a, a handwritten letter that H.W. had left for him. Right, and how meaningful uh, it was and to just him. just how meaningful it was, right? right? And then, you know, Clinton kind of had a, you know, and it was, that campaign was really, you know, not as nasty as what we see today. No. But it was a little bit edgier than previous, you know, because Clinton was saying things like, it's the economy, stupid, right? Which is implying the president's stupid. Yeah. You know, so you would think there would be kind of this, you know, anger, Right, and there really didn't seem to be that right, and no. you know, and those those guys were of the generation that you know, the United States and the office is much larger than them, right, than, and than the, our our and, political rights. yeah, and the peaceful right. transition was very important to yeah. them, and being able to do that, and then you saw you know later after Clinton was out and uh, W was in, you know, you saw uh, Clinton and H W. Uh, work on things together. Yeah, you know they had uh, an organization. I can't remember exactly what it was called. I remember that. Uh, but they would you know do a lot of charity work together, and you know yeah. friends became you know family friends together, stuff like that. So good. Um, and then you know, same thing with um, uh, with George W. and and Man. Obama has talked about this too. You know yeah. just the transition over, 
And then you see the the Bushes and the Obamas kind of become friends. And yeah. especially, you know. Michelle and W. Michelle and W. Yeah. 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 Who would expect that? So I yeah. think those kind of things are good because right. it shows, you know, hey, you know, even though we've got differences, we're all in this thing together. Boy, that's your hope. In the whole scheme of things. So I think the Bushes in particular did a really, really great job yeah. of you know, kind of uh, leaving that type of, of legacy, yeah. right? And, and I think that's really, really important. I do too. All right, so let's talk about with each of those three, and then I would add, add in Lady Bird, because I think she's phenomenal. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So more to come on that, but the last thing that I wanted to hit on, and, and we can wrap it up quick, but again, going back to my opening premise is that to predict the future, you have to learn from the past. And as much as you love or hate our current president and even the presidential candidate, uh, Biden, you can hate them both. Um, But it's interesting to go back and look at some of the worst presidents that we've had. And so there's this U.S. News report that I went back and I found, and it basically says the top 10 worst U.S. presidents. And again, you can Google it on U.S. News. It is fascinating. And when you look at them, it really is the presidents up to Abe Lincoln and right after Abe Lincoln's uh, assassination that those are the absolute worst that we had as a country. Where And then there's one in there that I just think is kind of funny in that uh, Warren G. Harding in the 1921-23. Uh, uh, but the ones coming up to uh, the Civil War that led to really the Civil War I thought were really interesting. In particular, the number one was uh, President James Buchanan. At least this is per the U.S. News report. And frankly, I, after reading all about it, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln got it. Lincoln knew. It's like, we can avoid this, friends, if, if we can work through And Lincoln was brilliant. And he, he could have worked through it, but he had a, a bunch of idiots beforehand, and B- Buchanan was one of those. And so <laughs> if I'm speaking to the great-great-grandson of James Buchanan, you know, hey, sorry, but your great-granddad was was a terrible president. And so um, wow. he, he really allowed uh, slavery to proliferate all across the brand-new western regions, and he – Basically, this Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1954 or 1854 came up, and he he promulgated it. He's like, yeah, no, Supreme Court, you have no authority for keeping slavery out of the territory. So he just kind of brother-in-lawed it all in and allowed it all to happen. He was terrible. So I'll just say that we have some really, really bad eggs that were out there before. And then you've got Andrew Johnson that came in right after Lincoln was assassinated after the Civil War. He opposed Reconstruction. He opposed the 14th Amendment. He was impeached, but he survived that. He was terrible. And then a third example that I'll actually... Why is he on a, on a dollar bill? Why is he on the 20? <laughs> he should, is he, he on the 20? Yeah. Andrew Johnson, no, it's Jackson. Oh, Andrew Jackson. I don't know. I need <laughs> yeah, it's Jackson on 20. It's not yeah. Johnson. That would be embarrassing for our country <laughs> if we put this guy. Well, apparently Andrew Jackson wasn't a great president well, either. Well, but he's not on the top 10. So let's get to Warren G. Harding, why I think he's an awful, awful, awful person as far as a president. He, he said, his quote was, I am not fit for this office and should never have been here. That's his quote. And 
he was basically, uh, I can't remember, he was like a banker, I think, before. He didn't know anything about politics. And so he get, he's a very likable guy, and he, he wants to please people. And so he supports both parties. He uh, takes all these under-the-table deals, uh, especially allows all of his buddies out in the West to do this with oil deals and this and that. And he was just ter- terrible. So... Uh, and then my fourth and uh, other example I think is just kind of funny is in 1841, there was a president named William Henry Harrison, and he died 30 days after taking office of typhoid. And the only thing he's known for is the longest inaugural speech. How long was it? I don't know. Oh. I should know that. <laughs> it was probably like eight hours. He probably just like read, you what know, was his name? Canterbury Tales. William Henry Harrison. <laughs> he read the Canterbury Tales. <laughs> I mean, it's something awful. I mean, for it to be a long, the longest one, it's got to be a long one because we've had some really long-winded inauguration speeches. And then when I was seven, <laughs> Wanda Tabrini with the Sota. he just did it all in old English. So. Oh. Anyway. So is that your list of bad those, presidents? Those are my four. Uh, those are your four. 8,445 words. Not oh, sure my goodness. on time, but those are the, that, that's the amount of words. So I was looking up the nastiest presidential elections. Um, oh, okay. There's been some nasty stuff, man. Really? I found the top five, yeah. So uh, Jefferson versus Adams in oh, the 1800. Apparently that yes. was really nasty. And here's some quotes. It says, uh, let me get this here. Um, so Jefferson hired a writer to pin insults rather than dirty his own hands, it says. And it says one of the most creative lines said that Adams was a hideous hermaphroditical character, <laughs> which has neither the form or neither the force and firmness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Nice. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, all, all that came out. And then out. the response was from Adams back about Jefferson. This was written, Are you prepared to see your dwellings in flames, female chastity violated, which means your <laughs> wives are going to get raped, oh my gosh. children writhing on the pike. What was that, some kind of virus back then or something? No, like like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your, like a head on a spike. Oh. I'm going to like... Put, Put your, your children on a pike. Yeah. And then it says in all caps, great God of compassion and justice, shield my country from destruction. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. How nasty is that? <laughs> this was, I mean, no social media. This was just, but in oh, the just papers, imagine, yeah. yeah, just the writings of the time. Well, they, um, you know, they did that. They did ghost writers. And in the Alexander Hamilton uh, biography that I just got through reading a few months ago, it goes through all that about how bad they hated each other, and instead of going directly at each other, they would start up a newspaper and they would ghostwrite all yeah, these articles. That's a, that's how it was done back then. Yeah, Jackson versus Adams is the number two on the list. Um, this one talks about how they went out of their way to paint um, Jackson as a dictator. He had the personality of a dictator, too uneducated to be president. Hmm. They claimed he spelled Europe. U R O P E. Wow! And it said they hur- they hurled all sorts of horrible insults at his wife Rachel. Rachel had been in an abusive marriage with a man who finally divorced her, but divorce was still quite the scandal at that time. Yeah, 
The Federalist called her a dirty black wench. Okay. A convicted adulteress and said that she was prone to open and notorious lewdness. Nice. So they got down in the no, they're, dirt. They're terrible. Lincoln and, versus Douglas was pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, I don't have the quotes here on that one. Uh, Cleveland versus Bain was apparently pretty nasty. Those were all in the 1800s. Yeah. Hoover versus Smith in 1928 was pretty nasty. Um, so they they could still get nasty back in the day. They yeah. didn't need social media. No, they would hire their little ghostwriters to go do the the same type of type of thing. Well, I I'll admit I think you and I talked about the this U.S. News report about the top ten worst presidents by their ranking, and you and I both were surprised Nixon wasn't in there. Yeah, because I thought Nixon would have been up there because of that scandal. Yeah, he so. was he was kind of crooked. Yeah. Yeah, because in my mind, there we've had crooked people being in that office, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't think there's any mystery there. So, yep, yep. Okay, well, hey, that's probably enough for today. So, uh, certainly some controversial points today, but uh, you know, it's so I thought we'd wrap it up by saying, "Who are you going to vote for?" <laughs> <laughs> you first. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, well, hey, it's a big deal, and we'll be watching anxiously the presidential election. But frankly, there's a lot of other elections going on, too, that's going to have a big impact on on Texas and the U.S. that we'll be watching as well. Yep, yep. I just uh, go back to what my grandfather told me one time. He said, you know, back when Kennedy was running, he said, Republicans were scared to death. Oh. And I said, why? They said because he was Catholic, oh. and everybody was afraid that if a Catholic won, they would set up this religious dictatorship, you know, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know what I learned from that, Kevin? He said, no matter who gets in this office, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And he was kind of educating me, because I was very much into politics when I was young. Right. You know, kind of my first years of being able to vote and... This was in the Reagan, you know, era, Reagan right. Bush era, right? And so he taught me some really, really good lessons that I've never forgotten. Well, about I, those kind of things, and then also, you know, he also taught me that you don't really vote party lines, um, even though he was as Republican as you could imagine, right? Um, he actually did not always vote Republican, and yeah. he kind of set me down one time and explained why. No, and, that's wise. Uh, that's yeah, so, so he was wise. a very, very wise man that I learned a lot from that well, really helps me navigate a lot of these things that are going on. Well, and go, going back to, I, I just mentioned it, but that Alexander Hamilton biography that by Ron Chernow that I, I just read, that is a fantastic piece of education on exactly what we're talking about here, because the founding fathers uh, of the U.S. put in so many checks and balances in place, and they had so much kind of foresight. Now, there were there were gaps there. I mean, there were definitely gaps there because we added the Bill of Rights, we added a lot of amendments, et cetera, and there are still gaps out there today. I mean, we still have gaps that we talk about. But regardless, there were so many there, – there was wisdom in the structure for how it was set up originally to give checks and balances between the three branches that the executive branch has balance between the judicial and the legislative branch. Yep. That it's not an all-income – so if we get a maniac in office, 
there are still checks that hold the maniac from taking over and that's right destroying our our country that's right the other thing that they built in which is just genius is they built in the mechanics for change yeah right and for progress right yeah. with the things like you know making sure that people's rights were protected to go and peacefully protest things that's like right because that. you didn't have that in the old no. country at no, all not at all and so you know the amount of wisdom that they had well, and, and just, just the, the level of thinking and intelligence is just oh, unbelievable, it right? It was fantastic. Just yeah. think about the Electoral College, and how, and that was hotly debated back in the day. It's still completely misunderstood now, but there was real wisdom in how the Electoral College was set up to truly, truly represent the American people. And so, again— And represent rights of minorities, right? They, they said, right. hey, you know, one of the problems with democracies is that you can have a thin majority— and, you know, the majority overwrites the minority, you know, opinions and viewpoints, right? Yep. And the, so they said, hey, we're going to set up a republic and we're going to structure it this way and we're mm-hmm. going to make sure that happens. And the Electoral College was literally to say, you know, some of these smaller states saying, well, hey, you know, basically our vote's not going to count, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we balance that out a little bit? So, right. Yeah, there's a lot of deep, deep, deep thinking that went it into was. that. It was. And, you know, sometimes when people don't quite understand it and they're very surface level nonchalant about yeah eh, we need to throw that out or you know whether it's electoral college or other parts of it that they don't quite understand yeah um you know they really need to that's when you say you need to go back you need to go back and dig down a little bit deeper right and the the environment that they came from they had very little freedom at all right? right and you know it was really brilliant for these guys who could have set up the next dictatorship really the next yeah. kingdom well that's what people yeah. wanted they stepped back and they said wait a second you know let's do something yeah. right here you know yeah. and even george washington right george washington he didn't want know, it he yeah. didn't want to be king he didn't want to be king he said i'm not doing it right no. and then he you know he kind of set the precedent of you know hey we're going to do two terms and mm-hmm. get out of here and mm-hmm. you know peaceful transition he set the precedent of the president of the president yeah right so but but you know people wanted him to be the king you know he he could have easily said all right i'm the new king here right. let's get rolling no so. that and so many people wanted that mm-hmm. um well hey i'll i'll just do a, a, a you know a public uh, announcement here um it, you know your best your best tool is your vote so mm-hmm. I'd say vote, you know, please vote. For I who, agree with that. Yeah. And, and, you know, may, you, you can make a difference with your vote. And and so I say do it. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, you know, even if you're one of those that think you don't like either guy mm-hmm. or you're just voting because you don't like the other guy. Yeah. You still got to do it, right? Because, you That's know, right. it is the implications of the election are huge and they last right. for years and, and, and generations, right? That's you know, right. We, we're dealing with things in our country that are issues that started generations ago, yes. right? And so yes. it, it's it's really, really important to get out there regardless of who you support or not support. Couldn't agree more. Get out there and do it because we're fortunate to live in an environment where we have that, that opportunity. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. God bless America. All right, and God bless the troops. <laughs> <laughs> we should go back to that Veterans Day. I don't know if you remember that or not, but how you and I just kept on saying thanks yeah. to the troops yeah. over yeah. and over and over. God bless you, and God bless America. We're <laughs> yeah. so good. All right, well, hey, thank you all for uh, listening to our ramblings on the presidential election coming up, and uh, good luck to both candidates. Yeah, I agree. And... Uh, Look us up on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever it's called. I always butcher that one. Give us a review. Right. 
cast your vote for how to be a Texan. There you we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Adios. Bye.